Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad, and I am your host. We got a special episode for you today. I know you weren't expecting this one, um, but I've got a, a collab episode for you today. I'm very excited about this one. Um, I teamed up with a podcast called Small Victories and Side Notes. Um, The two co-hosts are DJ and Renea. Um, You know, discovered them through a a collective, a podcast collective that I'm a part of. Uh, We linked up, you know, tried to figure out what type of, you know, episodes we could make. And we decided to do a four-part series. So we are going to, this is the first of four episodes that we're going to release and who knows we might even do more than that um the dialogue was so dope um you know I'm, I'm excited for for what's to come um so the in the series um we're going to analyze one album track by track um so they picked two albums I picked two albums. I think the criteria was one album was from, you know, the last decade and one album was from 2020. Um, And so each episode of the series, we're going to dive into that album and talk about each track, what it meant to the album, what we thought about it, things like that. So I'm very excited about it. So um, for the inaugural episode of this track by track series, um, we decided to talk about To Pimp a Butterfly. Um, DJ from Small Victories and Side Notes picked this album. You know I was happy about that because um, 
you know, I did the the tournament earlier this year about the best hip hop album of the past decade, and To Pimp a Butterfly won that tournament. So, you know, To Pimp a Butterfly is highly regarded, you know, on this podcast. So I was very excited um, to talk about this album with them. Um, so what you are going to hear is the audio from the conversation that we had about To Pimp a Butterfly. Um, uh, DJ had an emergency um, somewhere like around like when we got to like the third song. So he ended up having to to leave the episode. And so after that, you're just going to hear me and Renea talking. But, um, you know, in the future episodes, um, you should be able to hear all three of our voices. But, you know, he had to take care of some business. Uh, so without any further ado, to Pimp a Butterfly. We are ready sure. to talk about our topic of the, the day. The right, right, album right, right. that we have chosen. Sway, the big homie, DJ actually chose this one. Yep. To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. So we all know that was a great album, but why did you choose this album? All right. So I, I want to start off by saying that this album and Friday Night Lights to me are like the two most important albums I've ever listened to in my life. And Friday Night Lights for, for a specific reason, because J. Cole hit me at a certain time. When that, when that mixtape dropped, I considered it an album, but when it dropped, it, it meant more. So after that one, this is the, this is my next one because when this album came out, it it changed the way I I not listen to music, but the way people. How do I want to how do I want to say this right? So when he dropped this album, this wasn't the album that people were expecting. This wasn't Good Kid, Mad City. Everyone fell in love with Kendrick because Good Kid, Mad City. It was raw. It, it was. It was it was a gritty album. It was a great album, and he got mainstream uh, listens, views, like the the whites listen to it, right? And then for him to come out with "To Pimp a Butterfly," which was a black empowerment, just great album for the for us. After getting that exposure and and and, and be, you know, most artists would have just went left, like, oh, these, these people want to listen to me. I'm, I'm gonna go down this lane. I'm gonna stay down this lane and just make this money. He was like, "No, you guys listen to me. I'm gonna give you something to listen to," and he dropped this album, and that to me was just an important, important thing. I agree completely. Uh, when he dropped this in uh, 2015, I believe it said. Mm -hmm. um, if we if we think back to like what was going on in 2015, right? We had uh, Trayvon Martin going on, right? That murdered. I think like a year later or so, it was Mike Brown. Uh, it's just a lot, a lot of things going on in the community. Oh yeah. Correct me if I'm Man. wrong on those timelines too. I think Caller Kaepernick was either coming up on his kneeling or mm -hmm. about to. Yeah. So, so for him, for him to drop this album, and I think "All Right" was actually one of the main songs that people would play. It was during the during the protests, right? That's how, and it, it was an appropriate song for for those times. I, I feel, and for him to to drop this album, and. I can't stress that enough that this dude, like if y'all remember when Good Kid Man City came out, 
everybody fell in love with it, right? I don't, I don't care who you were, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, they fell in love with it. And for him to turn around and, and go from, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go more mainstream with it. I'm going to give you guys me, my people. I'm going to show y'all love. And that to me why, is why I love this album so much. The music is great. We can get into that. But, but as far as like a personal reason for me, it's that I, I will always respect that dude for doing that. I agree. I um, it was it was so timely, and uh, I did a I did a tournament to figure out what like the best hip hop album was of the of the last decade, um, maybe back in March. And to Pimp a Butterfly ended up winning. And the the one thing that just kept coming up whenever I had conversations with people about this album is like this album was for us. Like it was so powerful. All the messages that he layered throughout the album through each song. Like it, he was speaking to us for us, and it was what we needed at the time. And I'll, I will, I'll, I love Good, Good Kid, Mad City. It was, it was one of my favorite albums the year it came out. But To Pimp a Butterfly will always be my favorite Kendrick album because, like, the the risk that he took to come off of an album as gritty and hard as Good Kid, Mad City, then to like have songs with like jazz and funk influences. It's just like artists don't do that nowadays. And that's why this was so powerful because he did it and he like he killed it like and he he made something for us and that's why I always respect him for that. Right off the bat, the first the very first song he sampled uh, George uh, Clint, I want to say is, is yeah. his name, and he and he from the gate. And when I first listened to it, and I first heard that song, I was like, okay. Before I even get to the song, the album cover, like. People yeah. don't understand yeah. like how how the what he was going for. He really was trying to show love to us. This album means a lot to me. I and he this that dude is a, is is one of the best. He will always be one of the best ever. But that album is my favorite album. I mean, you're right about that. Like good good kid, Man city, great album. Section eighty, great. Mm-hmm. But some Pepper Butterfly dropping it the way he did when he did. And for the reasons he did to me will always be just amazing. Definitely. I think uh, too, with the cover, cause I, I was looking at it, I was listening to the album today in full to make sure I could digest everything perfectly. I watched a video on Instagram and he talked about how those are all his homies on that album cover. Those, every single one of those people he knows and he brought them out there. They took that picture. And then uh, if nobody's peeped it for you guys listening, there's a judge that's a uh, man down there on the bottom <laughs> You know, and and he talked about how that just the judge usually typically, quote unquote, writes people off. You know what I mean? But we never know these people's stories. Each one of those people, he said, are his homies and they have stories and they're great people. Yeah, that's real powerful. For sure. And since we're talking about, you know, George Clinton on the first track, we're going to do a track by track breakdown. So let's hop into it. We can start with Wesley's Theory. Sway, I know that's uh, your favorite song. Now, now for me, when this uh, album came out, 2015, I believe it was my senior year. And I was one of those people that was just getting into Kendrick. So I had just heard, like, uh, I think it was like the swimming pool type mm-hmm. Kendrick. And I, I hadn't really dug too deep into uh, Section 80 and Good Kid, Mad City, just like the couple uh, radio plays. So this song is something that I appreciate it more later than I did when I first heard it. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think it was on the radio. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
No, it wasn't one of the singles. I don't think it got radio play. Okay, so no radio play, but it's definitely a good intro right off the bat. Like, right off the bat, he said, George Clinton, you know, you've got the every nigga is a star coming out right off the bat. So you already know what, what type of uh, flavor we're getting. So for me, the intro, and I, we've discussed this many times, the intro for me is, is what makes the album or breaks the album. Like, I can listen to the intro and, and, t- and tell a, a good level of confidence if I'm going to like the album or not. And he started this album off the way he ended this album. Like, it's really hard for, for an artist to, to start an album, like the intro in a certain way, and then end it like it kind of, it kind of like goes in and out of the theme of the album, if that makes sense. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. This man started it off, like you just said, Sway, every nigga is a star. And he was letting y'all know, look, this, this, is, this is for us, right? And I, I don't know, I'm not big on, on, on the beats and everything, or, you know, it's not who I am. But to have the samples he had on, that I knew anything about, like, I'm, not, I'm not old enough to know who George Clinton really is. Like, I, I don't. But he introduced me to, to that sound. Which was a sound that, to be honest, I don't think I really cared for. To be honest, until I heard this album, I heard them like, "Oh, you know, that's kind of that's kind of that's different." Yeah, it's dope, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, right. So he so he gave you, and I I don't want to like talk this point to death, but to to come off of Good Kid, Mad City, and 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 the grittiness of that, and then to give you just this funky, just 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 amazing intro. I can't say enough about it, man. I can't. Yeah, and he he set the tone for the album in such a, a great way. Like, musically, you know, right off the bat, it was funky. It was jazzy. He was showing off the fact that this is going to be a completely different vibe than Good Kid, Mad City. Um, and then also, thematically, you know, he set the tone because, you know, he was talking about you know, in the in the grand theme about how, you know, rappers get pimped by the industry, um, by Uncle Sam and stuff like that. And he he went right into that with his two verses in this in this song. And so I think it was it was great for him to like let us know like, yo, this is for us and this is what I'm talking about on this album. So like lock in. Like I this this is the song. I've listened to the album like maybe a few times this week. And just randomly, Wesley's Theory is the song that always just starts playing in my head. It's so catchy. And so I'm just, I'm just walking around just like singing it all week because it's, it's the one song that just keeps coming back to mind. <laughs> oh, I mean, and then he is Kendrick Lamar, so he gives you bars. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He came in with straight flames. <laughs> <laughs> he came off with, with, with some, some dope bars on that to, to come off of that beat with with the bars he came off with man was was a great 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 song right but then it leads to for free and i want to know how you feel about that interlude um if you don't mind going into it oh yeah the the fact that he he came in with some spoken word over a jazz like interlude like it's it's incredibly difficult. I think not that I'm a rapper, but just like, it seems like it would be incredibly difficult to flow over jazz because like the rhythm is, is so much less consistent than like hip hop beats and stuff like that. And the fact that he was able to just flow over this, this jazz instrumentation 
perfectly. And then he continued the same theme, um, kind of using a metaphor of a woman trying to, you know, take him for all his money the same way that America is doing the same thing to black people and not giving them anything for it, you know, putting them into slavery and then not recognizing them as real people. Like the, how deep he got in this interlude flowing crazy over this jazz. I was just like, Oh, this is, this is about to be like nothing I have ever heard in my life. And so I, like, like both of you, I went back and listened to this album a couple of times this week. Right. I, I've always, it's always in rotation, but like just the whole album beginning and I tried to go back to 2015 me listening to this album and, and just playing track by track. And when I heard this song and I heard this ain't free, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is for me, right? And, I, and like young minded me was like, oh, this, this is about all these women trying to take us, us young men from our, our money. Mm-hmm. And how wrong I was at the time, how misguided I was, right? This dude was, was like you just said, was speaking on the industry just taking everything and anything they could from, I, I'm going to say black men, right? Because they, mm-hmm. they do it more often than not towards rappers. And he, he, he did it in a way where I didn't even catch it at first. It was so subtle. It was very not subtle. really subtle. So it was crazy to me to, to go back and listen to it. I'm like, yo, he, I, when I wasn't listening for it, I couldn't hear it. But as soon as I got the concept, now it's something you just can't unhear. Mm-hmm. And he, he so he spoke he spoke on not just the the industry but he spoke on Uncle Sam which he got into a lot on this on this this project and we're, we're, there's definitely more songs we're gonna get into about the America the American aspect of it right and how they they treat us mm-hmm. but yeah I, you're right like just the way he did it just the ease in which he did it and just the subtlety to me just was amazing on this this interlude it was an interlude yeah that's <laughs> that's the thing when I, I went to listen to it t- today actually. And, you know, typically when you think of interludes, it's, it's more like a skit. There's just a little bit of music playing. So the, the wordplay, the lyricism, the, the metaphors was very unexpected, but very great, honestly. I, when I listened to it this morning, I honestly don't think I had listened to it that deep. So my first thought was, you know, all oh, this is about, you know, male and female. I didn't catch the metaphor until I listened to it a second time this morning. And I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy i was like yo that shit blew right past me <laughs> no and that's that's real because there's, there's a couple tracks later on like and later in the project where i it took me a couple years to really to, to catch a bar that i didn't i didn't hear before i'm like yo yeah that's that is a crazy bar i think it was um oh, i can't remember the track it's, it's later in the project some um i want to say it was you ain't gotta lie mm. he said he, he said a bar that just I just found out about that like a couple months ago. I'm like, damn, this dude's crazy. It. Maybe it'll come back to you. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying like just not just thinking about how that that bar just just hit me years after the album came out, and I've listened to this album so many times, and I just not caught it. Let's reemphasize that this dropped in 2015. So think about how far ahead Kendrick was. We're in yeah. 2020 right now, you know. And I and I feel like that's that's when you really know that an album is a classic. When like five years later you still like finding new stuff in it. Like on all the listens I did this past week, there was still a bunch of stuff that was like, yo, I didn't even recognize that's what he was doing. And it's, it's five years later, like, like dozens of listens later. And it's just like, it's still hitting me a different way. Like, I feel like that's when you know that an album is a masterpiece, like for real. For sure. Like even I said this in the beginning, I really underappreciated this album. Like there were so many people when this album dropped that were like, nah, this is a miss. What is he doing? 
this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And now you, you look back at that like, yo, what were you talking about? <laughs> like, what was your deal? For real. So I, I do want to get into that a little bit before we, we get to the next song. Um, I knew a lot of people who didn't, didn't like the album when it first dropped. And they were like, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. And they just didn't get it. You, you, you couldn't see. I mean, none of us could really see what he was going for. But there was there, there was there's plenty of us who were like, no, nah, this, this is this is for me. That's all I care about. I know he made this this album for us, so I'm good with that. But there were there were people like like Sway said that just wasn't, and and it's not their fault. But you just you just that wasn't what you you were you wanted to hear. That's wasn't you weren't expecting that. Because think about that. He his first three projects, this was a complete 180. Look mm-hmm. at his, his his first three projects. Nothing nothing have this 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 type of this flow this vibe none of this it was new yeah and and people people had certain expectations especially after good kid man city because just like like to pimp a butterfly good kid man city came out a lot of people was like yo this is an instant classic and because of that style people were like oh his next album's gonna be just like that it's gonna be even harder and then when he came with this like you know jazz jazzy type album they was like yo this is whack i knew i, I just like yo i knew so many people that was like nah this is a miss kendrick he's falling off and i was like just just wait on it. Just wait on it. It's it's, it's stuff in there for real. <laughs> before, I, before I heard the record, I saw the album cover. I was like, "Oh, this is, this is gonna be something I want. I want to give my full undivided attention to." Right? Mm-hmm. Not just because it's Kendrick, but it's uh, yeah. This is gonna be something I want. All right. So moving on to track three, King Kunta. Now, I we, we I, he King Kunta was the first single he dropped. I want to say he was the first or second. I think all right might have been second, or the first like just song he dropped on the album. And yes, he started off the record. I got a bone to pick. I don't want you monkey my motherfucker sitting in my throne again. Come on. Like, come on. Hard hitter, bro. Came out come on, on the right man. hook. Name the song King Kunta. What more what more do I need to say? Like, I mean, let's let's be honest, man. Like I we could literally just go bar for bar. This dude just, just he gave you Everything. Everybody want to cut them legs off of him. Come on, bro. He was giving y'all bars. Black man taking no losses. This is when this is to me when I started to feel the, the black empowerment. Like you, you kind of heard it in the beginning. The second song was 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 different. This is when I was like, okay, okay, this is this is something else. This is something that I know a segment of, of the population is going to like because it isn't. It isn't poppy. Yeah, it isn't like directly what they wanted. I do have one question though. Maybe one of you guys can answer it for me. What is the yam? Is this a metaphor? Because <laughs> um, I know I like yams. Yams are good. Is it a metaphor? Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, I, I always the way I always took it was like he was saying like when you like when you at the top like when you got the yams like when you. Like, you know, like when you got the torch, like when you okay. the one on top, everybody going to be trying to come at you, trying to cut your legs out from under you. That's how I always interpret it. Um, but, you know, I know so many people who like got so many different things from that. But that's when, when I first heard it, that was the first thing that I thought he was talking about. 
Okay, that makes sense. I was like, I don't know if this is like some Cali slang because <laughs> I'm not from that side. I'm from mm-hmm. the East Coast. So I'm like, maybe I'm missing something there, but I, I'm, I'm trying to get with it. But like one of the first things, because I wrote a couple notes, but like one of my first things is when this song comes on, it's immediately like we've been talking about that jazz and that funk get you going and get you, you know, like swaying and nodding your head. Like, okay, this is about to be something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, um, man, he was talking his shit on this song. Like, and, and he was doing that. And like, you know, kind of like, kind of with the title of it, King Kunta, like, yo, like, I'm the one. And at the same time, he continued to elevate that theme because he's like, yo, there's a lot of ways you can be corrupted Cause to, to go even further into the whole like butterfly cocoon thing that he kind of crafted where, you know, when you, when you get to the top and when you're on your way to the top, there's a lot of people who try to come at you and you can be corrupted by your surroundings. And he kind of compared that to the cocoon. And if you can make it past that, you become a butterfly and you, you know, become the best flyaway, all of that type of stuff. And so the fact that, you know, he was able to still continue to like reinforce this theme just three songs in in such clever ways was this was one of I think the most fun songs on the album because like it's also like it's it's got a, a certain energy about it that like it really makes you want to move like I've I've seen people electric slide to King Kunta like it's <laughs> like it's it's something about like it's it's because all of that funk that he put in it, borrowing from like George Clinton, the parliament's like funk style, like it makes you want to move. But at the same time, he's got like a message behind it. And so I, I really, I really like this song. But I say it's one, it's kind of, I don't want to say hidden, but it's like, okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this thing you could vibe to. And then, yeah, I'm going to talk my shit on it too. So you either, mm-hmm. you're going to be listening to it for one or the other reason. homie we are back here with uh ahmad renee here uh the homie dj say a quick prayer for him or you know put it out into the spiritual world or whatever uh his daughter's feeling a little under the weather and so he's taking care of that so he won't be with us for the rest of the review but uh me and ahmad got it with the homie in mind no doubt so on that note uh we're gonna get into track four of to pimp a butterfly institutionalize uh what do you got about that what is one of the things that stuck out to you for that Man, the one of the things I really liked about this song is probably the beat switch. Um, something about the way the production just goes to another level at that beat switch is so tight. And then also in the second verse of that, he starts rapping a lot more aggressively. And it, it almost sounds exactly like how he was rapping on Good Kid, Mad City. And I took that... Um, because in that particular verse where he's talking about like how he brought his homies to like I think it was the BET Awards yeah, or something. Yeah, BET Awards. And they was they was looking at all these rich people like trying to rob them and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, maybe he's rapping like he was on Good Kid because he's writing it from the perspective of the people from his neighborhood. Like he was putting himself back in their mindset same way he was when he was on Good Kid Mad City. And that was just another, you know, inkling of Kendrick's genius and how detailed he is in his music. Um, but yeah, this song is dope. You know, it, you know, people being institutionalized on so many different levels kind of was all in the theme of this album, institutionalized by racism, classism, 
people, artists being institutionalized by the industry. So yeah, I really like this song. What'd you think? Honestly, everything that you said is the exact same like notes and, and vibe that I had as well. Um, like the first few things I noticed right off the bat is like you said, the beat switch, the voice switch, you know, classic Kendrick uh, mm-hmm. characters. You know what I mean? When he's trying to portray that story, he's going to give you different characters to make sure that he comes through. Exactly. Um, one of the, the lyrics in there that I caught too was like, my defense mechanism is to get him because he got it. I mean, how many yeah. times, how many times have you like felt that, you know, in your own personal mm-hmm. life? You know what I mean? Yep. And then like uh, at the end, you got Snoop Dogg in there who comes in with a little, little excerpt, you know, he's like, you could take your homie out the hood, but you can't take your, the hood out your homie. Yep. Like, you know, and for people that, people that grew up like that, a lot of times it's hard, you know what I mean? Especially when you're trying to do something different than, than what they're used to and what you're used to. Mm-hmm. So and, crazy. And it's, it's, um, I, I can't remember what song it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's the black or the berry. So this is all the way at the end of the album, but there's at some point in the album where he says like only me and Snoop can push the button. Like basically kind of like saying like Snoop was on top uh, in the West coast. And now I got the torch. And the fact that he got Snoop, like on this song is just proof of that. Just like, like he's like, he's been endorsed by like all of the great West coast rappers like Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. So, you know, I think that was a dope thing for him to have Snoop on that song. For sure. He definitely came through and you mentioned Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre was on one of the earlier tracks. Yeah. So he definitely uh, caught that torch and man, did he run with it? It's, it's again, hate to reemphasize it, but 2015 and this man is putting out information that is still so like with us today. Like that's just catching up to us today. He goes into track five, uh, These Walls. So quick backstory for me. Uh, I don't know why I didn't catch on to like, I guess, the perspective that he was telling mm-hmm. this from mm-hmm. until I, I replayed it and listened to it the other day. And I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, got it. That makes sense. Yeah, I, man, this was this was one of the songs where like once it ended you just kind of had to sit back in awe like wow Kendrick is really one of the greatest like (laughs) like his storytelling um it's on another level like there's only a few artists in the game that I know that like tell stories and narratives through their music that connect across so many different like avenues and yeah like that whole last verse where like you know, in the entire song, I guess he's kind of talking about, um, you know, people being like he was being corrupted by seeking revenge over his his dead homie, who he talked about in Good Kid, Mad City. And the whole song, he was kind of like given the metaphor. It was, I mean, there's there's so many like paths of this metaphor, but like these walls talking about women, but also talking about the walls of the cocoon from the whole main theme and like the like prison walls from coming straight off of institutionalized. It's, it's kind of insane. But yeah, then that, that last verse when his voice turned like real serious and like, you could almost hear the hate in his voice. Like when he was talking directly to the guy that killed his homie in jail, it was like, yo, this is, this is serious. I was thinking about that too. Like as I was uh, going through the album, I'm like, he perfectly placed these songs together, mm-hmm. like track by track. It's almost like if you were to try and like put track two at track three and track three at track two, you know, why would you do that? <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> like you've got to play this album in in that order so you can catch these messages. 
Mm-hmm. And then like at the end, he, I know he doesn't do it at every song and there's ultimately like an end goal at the end. But at right. the end of this song specifically, he, he has like the beginning of his, uh, his poem, I guess you can call it, mm-hmm. where he drops a couple words and it, that message just continues on, but it adds on. It just, it's just amazing, honestly. It's, it's almost like a movie in the form of an album. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, once I like caught on to what he was doing with the poem and like, I noticed like, oh, he's adding a little bit with each song. And then I noticed that, oh, the part that he adds is kind of directly informing the song that comes after it. So I think in this one, he said, I remember you was conflicted, misusing your influence. Sometimes I did the same to start. And that was, you know, how he used his influence to like get with the baby mama of the dude that shot his homie. And then he ended it with uh, abusing my power, full of resentment, resentment that turned into a deep depression, found myself screaming in a hotel room, which transitioned directly into you that started with him screaming. Hey, man, we can we can jump right into you. But this this is one of my favorite songs off the album. Yes, one of mine as well. Um, Like you said, straight from the beginning, that's one of my first notes. They're screaming. Mm-hmm. So you're already like, okay, what's going on? You know, I sound like some goosebumps, <laughs> you know, and then you're getting hit with the loving you is complicated. So, okay, you got some screaming, loving you is complicated. It's almost like we're getting set up again for that, for that movie. Like, mm-hmm. okay, wh- wh- what are we talking about here? Um, that first verse is very, very like it's uh, blaming. It's very aggressive. Yeah. And then I remember I quoted one of these lyrics here. It's like, I can feel your vibe and recognize that you're ashamed of me. Mm. yes i hate you too i'm like oh my goodness yep and then i think that was right before the beat switched in this song too where it kind of like it kind of cut off and then i think you start you hear um like a housekeeper in the background like knocking on the door probably of his hotel room and then the beat just like completely changes and i noticed yeah yeah exactly and then he comes in with this like completely different voice which is something he used before I'll always remember, there's a song he has. I don't think he ever put it on an album. It was just like a, a Lucy or something. It was called His Pain, and it featured BJ the Chicago Kid. And I will always remember this song because I'm like, yo, how how is he rapping like he's crying? I'm like, how can you even do that with your voice? Like, it sounds like he like he has a cracked voice from, like, screaming too much. But it's like, how can you do that on purpose? Like, I've, I've still never figured out how he does that. But it really just added to this song because then he starts really getting into like some like self-deprecating like lyrics. He's like blaming himself for like, you know, his actions from when he, you know, started becoming famous and how he let a lot of things in his family life fall by the wayside and the guilt is eating him. And he's just like hating himself for it. He's drinking during the verse. Like it's, it's one of the most emotional songs I think I've heard from Kendrick. And then, like, the saxophone and the music behind it just really adds to it. It's, it's such a good song. Yeah, as you're talking about it, as we're talking about it right now, I'm getting chills because I'm thinking about the song. <laughs> and I'm, like, you know, thinking about all the pieces that put it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, he's drinking. You can hear, though, literally there's a bottle clinking mm-hmm. in the song. Like, like that's, that's crazy to put that on the track, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the uh, lyrics I quoted as well is, a friend never leave Compton for profit. Mm. You know what I mean? And now he's opening up about depression and, and mood swings more towards the end uh how he closes it out like everything is your fault and so like he's he's deep in the cocoon at this point like i think from the theme from the theme of the the album if if he just lets all of these thoughts that he's letting out in you 
if he lets them like take over, he can never like become the butterfly that he wants to become. Like he's he's fully like pimped by, you know, all of the different, all the influences that are trying to like take him in a more negative direction. And um, it's just, man, I, I can't say enough about like how expertly he crafted this album. Like you just don't get artists doing stuff like this nowadays. You really don't. I'm trying to think back to like who's, who's done something I guess to this emotion because if you mm-hmm. think about it too he he's clearly struggling with some kind of like suicide clearly yeah, yeah. so now you've got that stigma you know that goes around uh african-american males mm-hmm. you know what i mean with like loving yourself and struggling with mental health well clearly right. here he is portraying that and again you know this is on a this is on an album right right like like yeah that's that's a, that's a really good point like especially in rap like of of all music genres like you don't really see male black male artists like showing vulnerability in the track and the ones that do are generally the ones that you know people really really hear about or really talk about like j cole for instance like he does that all the time and like that's one of the main reasons why a lot of people like j cole because he keeps it real and he puts everything out there and kendrick does the exact same thing right two powerhouses man really yeah. came really came through mm-hmm. so coming off of this vibe right Mm-hmm. You got this sad, this sad vibe. <laughs> you come in on track seven, man. At the single, all right. Wow. Complete it's, like empowerment. Yeah, like so much, so much you can say about this song. It, it's funny because this song um, samples a song that Pharrell. So Pharrell produced this, but Pharrell had also produced a song called Presidential. Um, it was on rick ross's album god forgives i don't it came out in 2012 so a few years before this and it, it samples those exact same like da 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 like it, it's the exact same like chords that for real sampled and and it was a really good song and nobody talks about that song now <laughs> because, crazy because this one over overshined yeah, it outshined exactly it. <laughs> yeah insane. that's that is crazy i gotta see that's one of the things i need to uh side note one of the things i need to get in more is like uh the production the sample so i can catch a few mm-hmm. for songs that i know mm-hmm. like that i'm familiar with but like one of the things i really want to work on i guess i'll put it put it in my goals is really understand uh the production of a song yeah yeah i feel you I look, especially like albums like this too like they you know they sample stuff just to just to catch you like just to be like i wonder if anybody will notice that i sampled this song and stuff like that so yeah i always that's one of the things an album like this after I listen to an album I always go to the wikipedia or like genius.com to see like who produced it see what kind of samples I might have missed stuff like that because that really just makes the song even better when they you know took some other song they were influenced by and helped it influence their song definitely always shows the craft of it mm-hmm. uh, on this all right song we said this was the single uh he also performed this at the BET awards mm-hmm. that he that we just talked about that he mentioned in uh, a couple tracks ago uh, I think this is the last time I watched the BET Awards, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I just remember it being so, like we said, powerful. Like, literally everybody was was jumping up and down. They're nodding their heads. They're rapping the lyrics. He's standing on top of, like, uh, two two police cars. He's got, like, a tattered flag in the background. Multiple background dancers coming through the crowds, you know, just yep. getting that energy. And this, this is such an empowering time. Like, people don't understand, like, all the things that were going on mm-hmm. in 2015, going into 2016. You know, this album was timely in itself, but like this song of all songs, like it really just, 
it, it had a it had a like mind of its own like it you know became the anthem for for the black lives matter movement like it was you know and directly coming off of that you song like which is why it's so jarring because like he was at the lowest of lows in the you song and then for that song to end that sample hits and like this one is just so joyous it's like oh this is a completely different energy and it like it kind of like wakes you up because you you can start to like your energy can start to get low with how that last song was and this one takes you right up and he's like no nah, you know what we're gonna be all right i'm not gonna let those influences stop me from my destiny it's like man it's like all right kendrick i see what you're doing <laughs> yeah man just powerful like he definitely knew what he was doing when he's putting this together mm-hmm. uh so again the the poem comes up so now we're adding on sometimes i did the same abusing my power full of resentment that turned into a deep depression found myself screaming in the hotel room I didn't want to self-destruct. The evils of Lucy was all around me. So I went running for answers. Mm-hmm. How he ends it. Then we go into the for sale interlude, which when I think of an interlude, I'm usually thinking of like 30 seconds. Right, right. But that was not the case. <laughs> not in Kendrick's world. <laughs> no, not the, not the case. The, the song, I remember sounds with, it starts with like heavy breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, like uh, I don't want to say like slaves, like on the plantation and running away or something crazy like mm-hmm. that. But you kind of, mm-hmm. you kind of get that feeling. Yep. Um, and then it's like, uh, you hear the jazz starting to come up. Yep. That funky sound. Right. And then it, and it's almost like, it's almost like somebody got knocked out. Cause then you kind of feel like you're in a daze and you're just waking up. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kendrick hits you with that, that character. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting started. Exactly. One of one of the things, and I, I think I mentioned this earlier, like about this album is I'm always finding new things. It doesn't matter like like when I listen to it, I'm always finding uh something new in this album. And I saw a theory, and it, it might not even be a theory because I think it checks out, that was saying that every song on this album had a counterpart to it and I was like huh okay I mean I know there was four free and there was four sale and then I started to look at it and you know it's 16 tracks and I do think that every single song has you know an opposite song to it so you know in four free um I think we were talking about how in that song uh the theme was how everybody's trying to like pimp out black people um, try to, especially with artists, try to entice them with all these nice things. And Kendrick was like, nah, I'm not for it. But in For Sale, he really <laughs> starts to like get into how tempting those things can be. And he's talking from the perspective of Lucifer and he's trying to draw Kendrick in like, yo, I got all these promises and promises like, yo, like this stuff is really nice. Like, you sure you don't want it? And so I was like, okay, I can see how he's kind of trying to like juxtapose the two songs. Um, but yeah, yeah, I really like the song. Again, like the the jazziness of it is definitely a highlight. And it's it's very important that you say that too, because like if you're a, if you're just listening to this album casually, some of these things you're really not gonna catch. Like you're not mm-hmm. gonna catch some of these meanings. Uh, if you're not thinking about it in that way when you're letting it play, you're really not gonna see, you know, his vision, what he's trying to portray. Uh, you seem like more of a well-versed Kendrick fan than I am. So I do have a question. Mm-hmm. So uh, who is Shireen and uh, who is Lucy? If Or who are they supposed to be if they're not actual people? So um, Shireen definitely is an actual person. 
uh, man, I don't, I, I guess I don't know if that's her real name or if Kendrick was just like, you know, using a different name to represent her, but she definitely represents a real person from Kendrick's neighborhood. And in the um, Good Kid, Mad City story, um, the whole, you know, tale of events that kind of ended with his homie getting shot is that he was just going to see a girl in the neighborhood and that was Shireen. And then like, you know, he got attacked by a gang on the way there and stuff like that. So she was kind of like the inciting incident that kind of started the whole uh, Good Kid, Mad City story. I think the first track might've actually been called like Shireen's Interlude or something like that. I can't remember, but it, it, it had Shireen in the title. Um, so that's who that is. And I think Lucy is just um, his way of putting um, a person to all of the like evil influences that he's he's talking about through this album. So rather than Lucifer, he kind of made like those influences into a woman and called her Lucy. So I think Makes that's uh, that's what he's going for. OK, it's more personalized, too, when you, when you yeah. think, of it, think of it like a person. Mm hmm. Okay, definitely. So, yeah, I definitely liked uh, Sing About Me, I'm Dying on Good Kid, Mad City. Oh, that's my so, favorite track. So, I think there's a couple times where I get a little lost in the story, but it's definitely an amazing song. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at the end of this song, For Sale, the interlude, you know, adds on to the poem just a bit. It's not much, but all he says is, uh, until I came home. Mm-hmm. So, where do you go after that? You get track nine. Where do you go when you're trying to come home? To your mama's mm-hmm. track nine, mama. And I, so this is, this adds on to the fact that I learn something new every time I listen to this album. I originally thought that, you know, this was talking about him coming home to Compton, like getting back to his roots, getting back, you know, to, to his neighborhood. But a lot of people are saying that he was actually talking about like, home to the motherland to Africa and that's why he called it mama because of that and I was like oh I was like that's an interesting thing because I did read um that he took a trip to South Africa before he made this album and that kind of is what inspired the album in the first place because he um you know he was super inspired by Mandela and you know he talks a lot about Mandela and that was those last songs um and he like wanted to get back to his roots roots and like he wanted to use uh you know his african experience to kind of understand being black in america and he wanted to make an album that represented uh black people everywhere and so i remembered that when i heard that i'm like oh so maybe he is talking about africa and he's you know kind of talking about that um trip that he took because he also references africa later in the uh how much a dollar cost song because that's where he is in that song. I was like, okay, this is a completely different meaning than I than I first thought. Um, but I, I like this song. This one, this one, the hook I think sticks with me a lot after I listen to it. The whole like we've been waiting for you part of the song. This yeah. one, yeah, this is a really dope song. You can kind of feel the like it feels like you're, you know, you're at home with, it's like a loving song, like the, the vibe that it gives off. Yeah, I was going to say, now that you've said all that, um, one of the lyrics I wrote down was, uh, it's like, he didn't realize, he, he didn't know, he realized that he did not know anything until he came home. Mm. So, I mean, now that you say that, kind of is like, okay, he went, he went to Africa, he saw mm-hmm. a whole new perspective. Exactly. And now everything you've learned here is like, okay, I don't know shit. 
Because like exactly. then he started talking like he met somebody that looked like him. Uh, uh-huh. I think it was like a little boy. Yep. So yeah, that makes perfect sense now. Yeah, yeah. This the, the beauty of this album. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so so intro intro perspective too, mm-hmm. and it's just honestly amazing. Like I might have to. I think I'm gonna play it when I when I drive to work in the morning, just so mm-hmm. I can get another feel for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like you talked about, like the the vibe is just great. Uh, there was a little part in there that says this is a world premiere on this song. Yeah, toward the end, toward the yeah. end. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, it always made me wonder, like, like what are we premiering necessarily, unless that's what he was alluding to. Yeah, oh man, see, I'm learning even more right now. I didn't even think about it that way when, when that part came on. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy now that we're putting this all together. It, it's almost like you can sit here and think up a bunch of, uh, like, conspiracy theories. Like, you know, how deep people <laughs> yeah. get with that, and you can just go with it. For real, yeah. <laughs> Um, but there was something I wrote down at, at the end uh, for me in my notes. So the last half of the song, um, what is your take on that perspective and, and that meeting? Was that the the part after um, after the world premiere part? Yes. See, so that part I, is this is the one part of the song that. I'm still trying to figure out because I was thinking about the whole, like, okay, this is about him going to Africa and all of that. And even if it was just him, you know, going home to Compton and I'm like, okay, what, what does that part mean? Cause like the, some of the lyrics um, says, I've been looking for you my whole life and appetite for the feeling I can barely describe where you reside. Is it in a woman? Is it in money or mankind? Tell me something got me losing my mind. And then he says, like, you make me want to jump. And so I was like, man, what? I don't, I, I don't really, I don't know what he could be talking about unless he's, unless he's talking about, I don't know. It's almost like he's having like a crisis because like the way he even like sings this part. Yeah. It's very fast. Yeah. It's Epic. like frantic. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he could be, what he could be getting at there. Cause I was, you know, it, it almost would have made more sense if this song came before like another emotional one, like, you or something like that because like it was so frantic it was almost like he was really searching for something and he was like can't figure it out but yeah i don't know maybe don't that's know maybe that's mystery. like him going back and forth so maybe he like gets home you know and now he's now he's uh frantic maybe because he's got to go back Ooh, yeah maybe. i can see that i can see that you know like you you feel like you you don't want to leave here but you need to go back over there mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's, that's uh that's something that just that popped out to me because i was like okay i got I got this far in the album and now I'm here and I'm like, okay, what are you, what are you trying to say? Mm-hmm. Exactly. But um, that, that interlude, oh no, excuse me. Mama takes you right into hood politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that a single? Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Could have been. It that really could have. That shit was fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like when this album dropped, I think it was like a Blacker, or Blacker the Berry and hood politics that I liked like immediately at first. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and for me, like, you know, what rapper is going around calling your favorite rapper, your block, your baby mama, your new girl, uh, boo-boo, you know what I'm right. saying? So I was like, okay, <laughs> talk your shit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was super aggressive on this one. And like, again, he was like, his flow on this was definitely very good kid, mad city. Like, like a lot of the songs on good kid, mad city, like he was like, really rapping with an aggressive flow like it it really sounded like a you know like a street album like it, it all really fit into the story he was telling about 
his neighborhood and his life uh, when he lived in Compton. And when I first heard this song, back when I thought Mama was like about him coming back home to Compton, this one made sense because it was like, oh, so he he went back home to Compton. He's revisiting his Compton roots and he's like really getting into that that lifestyle and how he used to live before he got famous. Um, and then he was just, it seemed like he was really just giving a, a fuck you to everybody. Like um, he he alludes to the control verse in this in this song because you know, he dropped that control verse where he shouted out so many different artists and everybody took it a lot of different ways. Like some people thought it was like a direct attack. Like he was beefing with artists when really he, it was just friendly competition to him. And then, you know, a lot of people got upset about it. And he's basically like, man, like, fuck y'all. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like, it was this, a verse. This is what rap is about. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I like how he really was just, he's, he was getting there by face. Like, yo, like, you know, it, it's, this really is nothing. Like, I, I can do this all day. I do this for fun. <laughs> you know, I completely agree with that. And, and this song opens up uh, with a voicemail. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm looking at the lyrics of it right now. It's like, you know, K-Dot, pick up the phone. Every time I call, it's going to voicemail. Don't tell me they got you on some weirdo rap shit. No <laughs> socks and skinny jeans shit. Call me on Shanika's phone. So I'm like, okay, that's pretty funny because how many times have you ever heard that? The call me <laughs> right. on so-and-so's phone. <laughs> yep. um, but that's coming off of track nine where he was kind of frantic. Oh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was, you know, out there in Africa doing what he's doing. And now, you know, he's not answering his phone. People are like, yo, what's up? Yeah, yeah. And now, now he's back on his bullshit. <laughs> yep, exactly. I think that's exactly it. So I just just put those two things together. Um, another thing, this this uh, particular track, Hood Politics, he's back to that poem. Exactly. And, and I find it really interesting, too, how he picks select songs. It's not every song. Yeah, yeah. Like, he really, he really thought about it and was like, okay, which which songs do I want to connect this poem to? Because like he really like connected you know each line of this poem to a different song, and that's like it it seems like easy enough in retrospect, but like it's like how you gotta have the poem and then also like figure out how you want to weave this poem through the album and then pick which song goes to which. Like that takes so much work. Like I can't even imagine how long he was working on this album. <laughs> yeah especially when like you know you got a small group of guys you're in there and you're at the you're at the board you know you're like yo okay mm-hmm. we're gonna put this song here we're gonna put this on here <laughs> this is what i'm doing with this uh get on board or don't you know mm-hmm. what i mean and then you're like it's very intro perspective like, like we keep saying it's, it's crazy it's and it all it all weaves so perfectly yeah there's not like totally anything agree. you can change to make it any better <laughs> mm-hmm. uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna read off the end of that poem uh, says, but that didn't stop the survivor's guilt going back and forth, trying to convince myself the stripes earned or maybe how A1 my foundation was. But while my loved ones was fighting a continuous war back in the city, mm-hmm. I was entering a new one. Man. And that takes you into track 11. How Ooh. much a dollar costs. You got I love this song. Ronald Isley is one of the features on this. Yeah. This, I think... Outside of All Right, because that one, that's just on another level. I think this was my favorite song because Storyteller Kendrick is probably my favorite iteration of Kendrick. Like you mentioned Sing About Me earlier. Uh, That's one of my favorite songs by him because he's really telling a story. I love when he can jump into 
other people's perspectives and tell a verse from their perspective and still connect all of that back to him. And um, How Much a Dollar Cost was a special song because, you know, it, it really was just like a, it seemed like a mundane story to start. Like he was at a, he was in South Africa um, and he was at a gas station or something and the homeless dude asked him for a dollar and he was like, yo, like, no, like, why would I give you a dollar? And he, he really started like getting introspective about it in the, the homeless dude was kind of weird and he was quoting scriptures at him. And he's like, like, who is this dude? Like, what is he doing? Um, and then like at, at the end, like it turns out the homeless dude was Jesus and like Kendrick was too selfish and he lost his spot in heaven. And I was like, yo, who is this man Kendrick? Like with all these lessons in this, this rap album in 2015, like it, so it don't crazy. make no sense. <laughs> and I, and I, I love the way you explain that. Cause again, you know, I'm listening to this 2015, 2015, I think I'm um, just turning 18, just graduating uh, high school. Mm -hmm. I'm just getting into Kendrick. I've listened to a couple of his songs. So I'm going through these songs and I'm like, okay, this is a bop. You know, I'm not really thinking about the lyrics too much. Mm -hmm. um, and now playing it back, you know, how foolish am I? Because, <laughs> you know, this is literally, this is literally a story again. And, and this guy is like an author mm -hmm. writing yep. a story in a, in a three to four minute track exactly and it's powerful yeah it's it's really no wonder that kendrick won a pulitzer for his next album damn like honestly he could have won one for this album like i think that all the time i'm like oh he could win pulitzer i don't know why he didn't win one for this because just the the level of detail into the the lyricism is is insane it's like like he's on the top of his game when it comes to that most definitely um, i didn't know that either actually yeah, yeah, for damn, he got he won a Pulitzer. I think he was the, uh, I know he was the first rapper to win a Pulitzer. I'm not sure if he was the first musician to win a Pulitzer, but yeah, he was definitely the first rapper to win a Pulitzer because I mean the lyricism in Damn is is crazy. Phenomenal. Like, he got some crazy like verses on that album. So I was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, um, I would put in my notes here. It's. I didn't notice how many, uh, I don't want to say biblical, but, you know, how many biblical uh, references he was making. Mm -hmm. And I I personally enjoyed Damn a lot. Like, I listened to that a lot. Yeah. And so when I first heard it, I was like, okay, this is new. You know, he's got a different, couple different things he's talking about here. But really, you know, To Pimp a Butterfly was already the lead up to all of that. Yeah. And, and yeah. I didn't realize that at the time. Yeah, definitely. And it, um... And this one also kind of gets back into the theme because, you know, I, I don't know at what point he fully exits the cocoon <laughs> and like what song, but I know that like the, the experience he had in this song, like meeting Jesus and Jesus being like, yo, you lost your spot in heaven. Like that was supposed to be like an eye opening uh, like moment for him. And you can kind of tell the next songs that follow, he's really like, he's on his like leader like perspective like he's he's given like like crazy lessons and i think that like the experience he had and how much a dollar cost was kind of supposed to be like a jumping off point for him to realize okay i need to get my act together and i need to start bringing all these lessons that i learned from you know south africa and whatever i need to bring that to the people and then that's how we you know we jump right into complexion for the next song yeah, definitely. Um, that's just, you know, just like Nelson, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Like all that like Nelson. So mm -hmm. it comes into Complexion, uh, a Zulu love uh, featuring Rhapsody. 
Yes. So her verse, man. Whew, her verse, the it's, breakdown when her verse starts. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She um she held her own with him. I think I honestly think she outrapped him on this song. On this song specifically, it was like, yo, like Kendrick kind of he took a back seat because she was she was going off. Like the the wordplay in her verse alone was, was crazy. For real. Uh, I just posted on my Instagram uh one of her albums that dropped the same year. Let me uh get the name of that real quick for for these guys. Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Yeah. From the first track to the end. Yep. Amazing. If you haven't listened, check it out. But um definitely like you said, it's like he, he came on to, to the uh these ending tracks teaching a lesson. So complexion, you know, loving your skin, right? Mm-hmm. Like how hard it is to be in your own skin when, yep. when people don't love you. Again, twenty fifteen and up until now, uh and even way before. But this is the first time we've had like a rapper really stand out and, and speak these things from track one. Mm-hmm. to track 16 exactly uh there was a lot of good lyricism there was a lot of like history lessons in this too so mm-hmm. you mentioned like willie lynch syndrome yes um you know having uh a black baby blue eyes mm-hmm. and he's like uh i think one of the lyrics was like tell him his mom can't run right yeah. I caught on to that yep <laughs> i didn't realize that until I, until I listened again and then, like we said rhapsody she came on she killed it you know, keep your head up. When did you stop? Yes. Like, true shit. Yeah, I was I was super happy that Rhapsody was on this song because, like, like she's been in the game for a long time. Yes. But, like, people didn't really wake up to Rhapsody until, like, really until, like, features like this one. Like, you know, once you got some features on, like, some high-profile albums, then people really started to listen to her and then she dropped her Layla's Wisdom album I think that might have been 2017 or something like that, that and then people were, yeah and then people were like oh like like she for real but like she's she's been the artist that she is now for so many years and it's just that you know a lot of people didn't really know about her and so I'm glad that she got uh this song to like really you know to shine to like show people like that she really got it um Fun fact about Complexion, I um, I found this in an interview when I was doing research. Kendrick had originally wanted Prince to sing the hook on this song. And, like, Prince had agreed, but, like, they were in the studio talking for so long that they just ran out of time and they never recorded anything. Wow. And then I think, I don't remember what year Prince died, but then, like, Prince died before they could actually get the chance for him to sing the hook. And I was like, yo, that is, that's, that's crazy. That is crazy. Like, Prince singing the hook on this song would have been that would have been this this album would have been you know on a completely other level like people would have been talking about it for even longer than they already are oh yeah you get a Prince feature <laughs> yeah like <laughs> you don't get put him on this, like some different set of people for sure yep exactly that's actually crazy that's a good fun fact <laughs> uh, or I should, I should have said side note actually side note yeah side note <laughs> I like that we appreciate those I think uh, it's pretty cool, too. I don't know what a Zulu love is. I probably got to look into that a little bit more. I should have did some research. Yeah, because he, um, he actually mentions it in the, the very next song. I know Zulu, they were like, they're like a tribe in Africa. They're like one of, the, one of the most well-known tribes in Africa. And he mentions it in the next song because he was comparing the Zulus and the, I think it was Dosa. Uh, he was comparing them to the Crips and the Bloods about okay, how like... That. 
they're all they're all black but they're still warm with each other and that's essentially i think those two tribes are tribes in africa that like you know i think they i don't know the reasons but for some reason they got like you know bad blood so that so makes yeah sense, maybe actually. yeah maybe he means like it's a zulu love because like maybe one of their ideals is that they they love everybody or something like that so maybe that's what he's getting at yeah i'll definitely have to look that up after this yeah. um one of the things that just popped into my mind too is a lot all of us or most of us have probably seen uh the black panther yes so kendrick you know he produced that album yeah man, so just consistency <laughs> yeah like the consistency that soundtrack was probably one of the best soundtracks i've heard in a long time completely agree and and same same type of sound you know what i mean you still get mm-hmm. that sound and it's just crazy he went from that he went to, to pimple butterfly damn the black panther soundtrack and you know now that i'm thinking about it you know everybody's mad that j cole and kendrick haven't dropped but honestly the body of work really just mm-hmm. speaks for itself like they get yeah. they get the free pass to fucking chill because they yeah. put out so much great music i don't i don't know if we'll ever get the i think it was supposed to be called black friday like way back in the day yeah i don't know if we'll ever get that project i mean if we do i feel like they'll do it when they like you know they're they're a little older like you know they they kind of settling down they're like you know what let's just do this for the for the real ones for our day ones let's put out this project in like i don't know 10 years or something i just i don't know i've i've waited for it for so long now i'm just like i gotta i can't i can't hold out hope for it <laughs> no nah, man we're still waiting on the fall off from cold and i don't know if that's know. coming or when that's coming i think he was gonna drop this year but you know i think with the pandemic and everything i think he'll probably hold off to next year i I do think it'll come next year because he did drop those two singles this year so for sure we gotta we gotta see what's up that's my man gotta see what's up definitely but um we're on track 13 now ladies and gentlemen uh blacker the berry yes um this this track i believe was single too yeah it was Mm -hmm. so again you know it's just showing he don't really care what what you think are radio hits or not exactly you know what i mean he's very pro very pro black um very aggressive but in a good way yeah yeah that's agree. very good uh so one of the the lyrics that stuck out to me out of everything in there uh was so why did i weep when trayvon martin was in the street when gang banging make me kill a nigga blacker than me hypocrite and that's how he ended it yep and I will forever remember just like being on the bus coming home from school and like catching catching chills from that. And yeah. really thinking about it, you know what I mean? Yep. This this song it's when you think of this song in context of the album, it's it's way crazier than it originally was cuz yeah, it was a single. So we first heard it like with no context, just like he just dropped it. And we was like, "Ooh, okay. Like I like the message. I like the flow. It's aggressive." But then listening to it in the album context and then directly following Complexion, like I mentioned earlier, every song has its opposite. And this song's opposite was Complexion. He followed it directly with its opposite, which in the first thing he says is, I'm the biggest hypocrite of 2015. And like, there's a lot of different ways you can take that. Like the the way he ended the, the song about how he criticizes, you know, white on black violence, when he, you know, at the same time could want to murder somebody, you know, through gang violence. But then also, like, he just had a song where he said, like, you know, all colors, like, like, we, it don't matter, like, what, 
like shade you are like it's all love and then the very next song he's like but the blacker the better <laughs> yeah Hypocrite. it's like oh okay i see the hypocrisy right off the bat yes um yeah go ahead i would say like you said that the every song has a counterpart that's very important i actually did not think about that so as you say that i'm really i'm really thinking about these songs and it's very crazy yeah yeah i i couldn't believe it. i was like how did i miss that like i I knew there was for sale and for free because that was easy like they had the same format but I, I just didn't even think about the fact that he was opposing ideals in certain songs um I remember the black of the berry it it caught a lot of flack because it riled a lot of people up because it kind of gets into the conversation of respectability politics where people within a group like the leaders of people within a group kind of try to tell, you know, the lower people in the group how to do a certain thing to make, you know, another group feel better. Yes. So like getting into the whole, like, why are we mad about white on black crime when black people are killing black people all the time? That whole conversation, like we've seen white people give us that argument all the time. And so the fact that Kendrick kind of like brought that up on his own i remember so many people were upset um like but sell it was out. A, yeah exactly but it was a it's it's a hypocrisy that i think kendrick really wanted to bring to light and to it was a powerful message um he speaks at length throughout this song of like white people's hatred of black people how they've oppressed us for years and then at the same time it's like but you know, due to the same influences that I've been talking about through this entire album, through Good Kid, Mad City, I could want to kill one of my own kind too. It's It was a powerful song. And I think, you know, the conversation that it stirred up alone was worth it. Definitely. <laughs> that's the, what he wanted. You put, you put the, he put that out there as a single, like we, like we just said, mm-hmm. to open the floor, because how can we improve if we don't have these conversations that are, that are hard, hard exactly. truths? Exactly. So the fact that he took the lead on that, like you said, is uh, it's amazing. Cause who who was who was going to take that lead? Who has <laughs> right. really? Yep. On that kind of stage, anyway. Yeah, man. So that song takes you right into track fourteen. You ain't got a lie, also known as Mama said. Mm-hmm. So I get the uh, the only couple things I wrote. I only wrote a few things was you know, obviously you don't have to pretend to be something else to fit in, mm-hmm. which is something that everybody struggles with all the time. Uh, if you take this down to, I guess, Kendrick's neck of the woods, how many people, you know, down in Compton when he's coming up that are probably being something they're not just so they can fit in. Absolutely. Uh, which is pretty much the whole basis or one of the basis of this, this album. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's very, it's a very chill song. Mm-hmm. but it's very deep at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I always I always think of this song as like a like a fun one cuz the the hook is fun. Um but he like he really draws you in with what he's he's talking about. Like it's also a message to like rappers and entertainers trying to pretend to be something they're not. Um but really like I I found that the opposite the direct opposite to this song was hood politics cuz we talked about in hood politics like how he you know, he came back to Compton and he was, he was right back in it, like doing the same things 
you know, like with his people, like, you know, trying to get back to how he was before he became famous. Where in this song, his mama is like, yo, like, <laughs> you ain't got a lot to kick it. Like, no, like, like you're, you're, you're something different now. Like, come back, educate the people, like, like, be real. And this was actually a song that's actually directly tied to this from Good Kid Man City is a song called Real where it, it's kind of like the same sentiment and you know Kendrick you know is just saying like yo instead of me you know not realizing that I've changed or that I'm I'm on something else I need to use what I've learned to teach people and it's like okay all right I get it so I, I like the vessel he he used this song for I was dope most definitely the lyricism second to none again mm-hmm. definitely came hard if you I know uh, you had mentioned like talking ratings with yeah, a lot yeah. with these tracks i honestly might have given everything a 10 out of 10 <laughs> <laughs> for real for we did real. because it's just so many different uh components that you get with each song and each each verse does not let you down mm-hmm. which is so crazy to me like you might not have every song might not be your favorite but you can't deny that he came with straight flames like he didn't fall off at any point exactly and yep. that's that's just amazing uh stamina for the message that you're trying to send yep exactly it's amazing uh but that leads us to track 15 i under uh lowercase so there's two versions that i actually yeah. didn't know until i like really ch- went through the album mm-hmm. so there's that the album version which is like more like a live version yeah and you got the radio version obviously for the radio not not with all the live mm-hmm. and I guess my question is, why do you think he did two versions? Hmm. So I, I like, I like what he did with the album version, how it, it was kind of like he was performing it at a concert um, or not even like a concert. Cause the way it sounded, it was more like an intimate performance. Like, yeah, like he was a at like people. a club or something. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe he did that because you know, the way it ended with like people at the, the, performance get into a fight and he had to stop the performance to be like yo like like number one this song is about it's the direct opposite to you obviously and here it's all about self-love and not only self-love but like proclaiming it loudly like that's like this whole song is joyous it samples um i'm pretty sure it samples the isley brothers song um the lead single the most radio single and so that poem that he spits at the end um about negus and how it's actually like from royalty and stuff like i feel like this was just for him to to double down on the fact like yo i got a message and i want to tell it to as many people as possible and i want to start with the people from my own hometown so i think maybe that's why the the version of on the album was more like you know it was like he was like doing a performance in compton at like the neighborhood club or something and everybody came out and he was spitting game to them. Like, that's that's what I feel like, why he feel like he made that change. That is a uh, dope concept, too. Like, one of the one of the vibes I get as well, especially with, like, the jazz and the funk feeling, mm-hmm. is that if you ever listen to, like, like old, old school jazz, like yeah. Billie Holiday mm-hmm. and, and people like that, they perform in settings that, that kind of remind me of that. Yeah. Like how exactly. he sounds live. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely, it definitely brings out uh, different emotion in the song. Agree. Yeah. And then, like you said, with the Negus, he, he quoted, like, take it from Oprah, tell her she right on time. 
Yeah, yeah, because Oprah was, oh, I, I forget who she sat down with. I think it was 50 was it Cent. Oh, 50 Cent, okay. And um, she was, that was like her big thing, like why are people like saying nigga, like what is the, what is that about? Um, and I think she was on the opposite side. And so Kendrick's like, yo, like let's tell this straight to, to Oprah. Like the question is right on time, here's the answer. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's still spitting that knowledge. But so he didn't he didn't waste no time. <laughs> and most people, most people don't call out Oprah like that. So for him to do oh, it, it was like <laughs> it was like okay, because I don't even know if Fifty Cent said anything during the interview. If oh yeah, wasn't I don't interview. know either. I might have to look that up. But I just remember that being a stir. So uh, you get track fifteen. Uh, you got the two versions: a live version, the album version. And now we're ready to close it out. Track sixteen, yep. Mortal Man. And Ooh. most people put, you know, outro, but mm-hmm. Mortal Man, that is the outro. Yep, yep. And I think that title really speaks for itself if you think about, like, all the 15 other tracks. Like, at the end of the day, I'm a Mortal Man, you know, I'm just like you. Yep, exactly. And it um, it was the direct opposite to King Kunta, because, you know, King Kunta, man, it's just so many layers. Like, King Kunta, Kunta was, um, you know, from Roots, like that was, he was, he was constantly put down and told not to be himself to the point that they like changed his name. And so Kendrick was like, all right, this song is King Kunta. Like you're a king, like you're more than that. And then in this song, he's like, but really, I'm just a mortal man. Like, like, you know, I'm going to make mistakes. And, and that's really what he gets into in this song. Like, like, oh, what is the words that he uses? There's an exact... When shit hit the fan, are you still yeah, a fan? Yeah, are you still a fan? Yep, like, he's like, look, I'm I'm not perfect. Like, a lot of these artists, a lot of these celebrities, these people we hold up aren't perfect. At the end of the day, like, this was about loyalty. Like, are you still going to ride for me, ride with me no matter what happens? Like, are you still going to spread my message? That was one thing that I really took from it, because he... Let me actually find the specific lyric that he said that kind of like brought that up for me. But something that like basically made it seem like, yo, are you still going to like spread my message? Like no matter what happens, like, are you going to keep these, these, this knowledge that I'm kicking, kicking for you? Like, are you going to, are you going to keep propelling that? Right. Take it and use it. Yeah, exactly. Pass it on. Or are you going to, I'll be, cause this whole album message. So you're either going to take it, where you're gonna, you know, let it be one of those albums where you fade it to the background and be mm-hmm. like, oh, he ain't, he ain't saying nothing. Yep. And keep going. Man. It's like a, it's like tradition. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And he, um, this is when you really like. I didn't even really think about the the Nelson Mandela stuff until we got to this song because he really started talking about it and it's like, oh, this makes sense. Like you went to South Africa. You you learned all about Nelson Mandela and his ideals and his morals, and you wanna you wanna portray that, you wanna be that, and it's like that. This all makes sense now. Like why you're you're kind of taking this messenger leader role, like you're trying to trying to spread the word, trying to be like Mandela. And it's like okay, I want you I to love it. me like Nelson. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So uh, I don't know if you found that lyric yet. Oh, oh, actually, I just gave up on it because I feel like I got the point across. Yeah, it's all good. So one of the things I, I seen on Genius. Um, Mm-hmm. Kendrick was talking about pretty much what the purpose of the song was mm-hmm. so he said it's like do you trust me to be the hero of Compton or if you trust me to be the hero of Compton do you still trust me if I can't mm. the hero of Compton the hero the hero like Nelson like if you trust me in this in this aspect 
will you still trust me if I can't? Yeah. So it's pretty pretty deep, man. I mean, he really doesn't miss any steps. Like we keep talking about, uh, one of the things he mentioned in here was Murphy's Law. So for mm-hmm. anybody that doesn't know Murphy's Law, it's whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yep. very, very interesting when you think about it in terms of, of life. And he said he was questioning it, right? Like, that was one of the things he was like, I'm going to question everything. He was like, I'm going to question Murphy's Law. And I was like, oh, man, that's a, I, I kind of like that that um, that line. Cause it's, like, it's very different. Yeah, yeah. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. You think you'll just accept it. Yeah, Now exactly. I'm going to question it. Like, why? <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, oh, the, the he said, in, I think it was verse one, he said, would you know where the sermon is if I died in this next line? And like, I really thought about that. And I was like, oh, okay. So you're saying like, if you died, would you, would you have like heard what I was trying to like get across? Would you take those, those, that knowledge and like, you know, like really the fact that he called it a sermon really stuck with me. Cause I was like, okay, so like you're preaching and you're like, are you still going to get the message? If, even if I died, like, like after I gave the message, and I was like, hmm, okay, Kendrick. Okay. Man. And Dude. that. And that really ties in even more to the the whole Tupac surprise at the end of this song. Yes, I was about to say, who do you know that does <laughs> that did anything like that? Exactly. And man, like <laughs> when when he when he came in and like he he finished the poem off, um, and we discover that he was talking to Tupac. He was reading the poem for Tupac. And then Tupac's voice came on. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I questioned everything when I first heard this album the very first time. I was like, wait. I was like, I started having all these irrational questions. I was like, wait, how old is Kendrick? I was like, how is he talking to Tupac? <laughs> like, until, so many like, questions. I, yeah, until I realized that he had just like taken the Tupac interview because I had never seen the original interview, and he just kind of he cut it up so that it sounded like he was talking to him. It just sounded so good. Like it sounded, it really sounded like they were just having a conversation. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah, he read him his poem and everything. And it, yep. it's just so powerful because everybody talks about Tupac and Biggie, right? Mm-hmm. But who really put the time in to uh, incorporate who they are into their album, into their music? Exactly. Like who took yeah. the time? You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. amazing. Another like tip my hat moment to this man. Like I think Absolutely. I have a newfound respect, especially after listening to this album again. Yeah. Yeah, he he was super inspired by Pac and you know I think I think he saw, you know, what Pac wanted to be to you know, to the people like Pac was a messenger just like Kendrick wants to be. It's just that Pac, you know, he he didn't he didn't make it, you know, before you could really deliver his full message and that kind of gets back to a lot of the the lyrics in this Mortal Man song. Um and a, a side note Kendrick mentioned that he originally wanted to name the album to pimp a caterpillar um, because because that would have that would have like kind of hinted at the Tupac thing because it would have been like two and then pimp a caterpillar PAC and I was like oh oh wow but then I was like you know I'm glad you changed it because that might have been too obvious like like somebody would have broke that down and be like oh Tupac (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, I'm glad he was a little bit more, you know, secretive with it. But yeah, like this was, this was such a dope way to 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 end the album. And then the the second poem that he wrote 
that he was reading to Pac that really just laid out the entire theme of the album about like how it was a caterpillar and it, you know, was being pimped and trapped in the cocoon and all of that. You know, it's, 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 it's not common for like an artist to give you an album like this and then really like just kind of explain parts of it for you, like right at the end. Um, and he did it in a really nice way. Um, and it, the way it ended with like him calling Pac's name, but Pac didn't answer. It was just like, okay, okay. Yeah, man. So deep. And yeah. again, it's like that, that movie theme, you know, it's almost like when the movie ends and you get the, the credits and they put a couple of uh, sentences at the end. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it's like the perfect cap off. Like I, I really don't know if he could have had a better outro. Don't know mm-hmm. if he could have had a better intro. Um, don't know if he could have had better songs in between that. Everything exactly. was so perfect. Yeah. It's a beautiful album to pimp a butterfly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in uh, to this week's episode. Um, you know, it's the season of giving, so the content is coming. Um, I still got. Um, you know, three episodes left um, to close out the year with the top 50 songs of 2020. That should be dropping very soon, like probably tomorrow. Um, And then the week after that, I'm dropping a double episode with my top 25 albums of 2020. Um, And then, you know, next year, um we're gonna be closing out the year or we're gonna be starting out the year nice i still got three more of these collab episodes um i hope you enjoyed that please go follow um small victories and side notes they're on instagram at small victories and side notes underscore pod um you know wherever you listen to podcasts uh, apple Podcasts, spotify all of that go go look them up um leave them a subscribe to their podcast listen to their episodes leave them a review do all of that um support them and also continue to support me you feel me um you can find me at totb the podcast on instagram facebook uh twitter also wherever you listen to podcasts um please subscribe rate and review you already know what it is this has been thinking outside the boombox your number one source for hip-hop and r&b news Peace. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 